Mountain. Hello, Joni. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to the Catholic Traveler podcast, the podcast where we are taking you daily to the Station Churches of Lent in Rome. Yep. (laughs) And today is a church we've actually talked about before. There's a few repeats, as we've mentioned, and today is our first repeat, but it's a big one and it's exciting. Yes, St. Peter's Basilica. A favorite. So the largest church in Christendom and a favorite. Yeah. And we've talked about this not just previously in Lent, but we've had an episode where we talked about the piazza. We've talked about below the church, talked about why the church is where it is. We've talked about the neighborhood around the church. So there's a lot that can be said about St. Peter's. So we could promise there'll be more after this too. Yeah, we could probably we could do like an entire just podcast series on St. Peter's. It's that big of a church. There's that much stuff there, that many saints buried, that many popes buried, so many things that have happened here. So we're not going to cover it all today. No, no, you're gonna have to come back for more later. Yeah, but today's gonna be fun because we're going to talk about something, something good. We don't always talk about things. (laughs) Sometimes we talk about nothing, but today we're going to talk about something. So yeah. is there anything you want to talk about before we talk about the something? Yeah, I'm trying to think what we covered the last time. We talked about St. Gregory the Great is buried here. So he's the one that kind of established the order of the churches visited for Lent, the first 25. Um, so that's kind of significant to Lent that he's buried here. Um, we've talked about the Pietas here. We didn't go into detail about it. We talked about how big it is. So I guess one thing we're going to talk about today are relics. So throughout Lent, we've seen churches that have a lot of relics. St. Peter's, you know, there's a lot of tombs. So like I mentioned, St. Gregory the Great, John Paul II, John XXIII, Pius X, they're all buried there. You can see their tombs. You can see their bodies in some cases. And then on special occasions, they bring out a lot of relics. Have you ever been when they've been displayed on the altar? Yes, with like all the reliquaries and the Oh, yeah, because you've, you've done the like station the churches. That's and, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the main altar, so that's the one under the Baldacchino, not to be confused with the Saborium. <laughs> it's the same See thing. See previous podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so the papal altar on special occasions like today, they bring out tons and tons of relics. And like you said, there's busts, like these big golden or silver busts with like a little piece of bone in it, or maybe a skull, or maybe a leg bone, or an arm bone, or a rib. And just cover the altar and all these bones. And it's really cool to see all them up there. I wish that we could get close enough to know what we're looking at because yeah. you know they got to have some cool stuff. Yes. Um, yeah. A lot of these they keep stored in, I guess, their reliquary closet. I don't know what the official name for that is. I just always call it a closet. Um, some of them they keep in the museum. Have you been into the St. Peter's Museum? I have not. Um, it's I don't cool. know why. Yeah, a lot of people don't go. How do you, how do you get there, Mountain? It is near the sacristy. So if you know where the sacristy is, it's kind of like if you're looking at the main altar to the left, there's a doorway that leads into the sacristy. And there's a little sign that says like the treasury museum or the sacristy museum or something. And it's cheap, maybe five, six euro to get in. 
And they have a lot of really cool stuff. We could do an episode on that even. But they have a lot of the relics. They have a lot of like early papal thrones. They have some of the miters. They have um what's the big like cloak thing called? Like a cope? Yeah, cope. Um, so there's one for John Paul II that's very elaborate, and they have a picture of him wearing it, and then the, the actual thing is right there. Oh. But it goes back, I mean, further than like the 2000s. They have stuff from you know a thousand years ago in there. Um, there's something like designed by Bernini, like a little angel or something. There's so much cool stuff back there. Wow. Yeah, it's, I can't believe I've never been. It's really neat. And uh, no photos are allowed, so I don't have any pictures that I've taken in there. But they do sell a book that has pictures of some of the highlights. So some of these relics are in there, and you can see what they are, um, and they bring them out. But I think we kind of mentioned previously that around the main altar, there are four statues. Yeah, because you talked about St. Andrew just gets a statue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's four statues around the main altar. There is... St. Longinus. Is that how you say mm-hmm. it? That's how I always say and we, it. Longinus. That's how I say it. Longinus. Longinus. Yeah, I hear people say it differently. Yeah. Um, and we talked about him last time because the station church last time, it was kind of his day. Right. It's his day where they bring out the spear. So the spear that pierced Christ's side. And that they, I guess they used to keep it in the chapel above his statue. Now they keep it in the museum. So you can see that up close. Um, and then there's a statue of St. Helen. So they have some relics from the Holy Land that she brought back. Uh, they probably have a piece of her too. I don't know. I would imagine. And then St. Andrew, they used to have his head that was given to the, what was it given to? The Orthodox Church or something? Yeah, we gave it back. Yeah, we gave it back. So no longer have it. And then there's a statue of St. Veronica. And in the chapel up there is where they keep Veronica's veil. And so today is the day that they display that. So it's only on display once a year on today. Is this the fifth? No, sixth Sunday of Lent? Yes. Yeah. Fifth Sunday. Fifth yeah. Sunday of Lent. Um, the fifth Sunday of Lent, they bring it out at the five o'clock mass. It's only shown in that balcony. So if you look at a picture of St. Peter's, you'll see where those balconies are above the statues. So it's on display up there for 60 seconds. So 60 seconds a year, Hmm. they show you Veronica's veil. It's a really cool experience. I heard your little hum there. It's a really, (laughs) it's a, we'll get to that in a minute, but it's a really cool experience because, because the church is open, um, you know, just throughout the day, it's just open. Um, so there's tourists, not now, but usually there's tourists walking around the church and the mass takes place at the altar of the chair. That's the one in front of the main altar. Um, and so there's people walking around the church and then for those 60 seconds, when they bring out the veil, they ring this really low pitched bell, beautiful sound. And there's all this incense before they bring it out. And then they do a little blessing over the church with Veronica's veil. And so all these people that might not be Catholic, they're just there to see this big church. They don't even know it, but they're being blessed by Veronica's veil. And so I really like that um, tradition. And 
What what do you want to say about it, Joni? This is the controversy. Let's go. (laughs) I think it's interesting that we mentioned in the last podcast about Longinus' spear that it's actually, you know, displayed in the museum so you can see it year round. They actually, you know, take it around in procession. Veronica's veil, they show it to you from really far away for 60 seconds. And that's it. (laughs) I mean, is that a little suspicious? Well, it is, but even the relics that are on the altar, I mean, you can't get close enough to see what they are. Yeah. You don't know if it's a chicken bone or a saint's bone. Just a bone. That's true. So the controversy we're alluding to is, so to kind of put this in perspective, Veronica's veil, and I, I mean, I don't want to like burst anybody's bubble, but the the word Veronica literally means true icon. And so they used to refer to the veil as the Veronica, the true icon, because it was tradition that Christ imprinted his face on this piece of cloth. People used to come to Rome to see the Veronica, which is interesting. We think of going to Rome to see the Pope, you know, in the 13, 12, you know, 1200s, 1300s, they weren't going to see the Pope. They didn't, I mean, the Pope was a worldly leader. He was obviously the successor to St. Peter, but... They probably didn't know who the Pope was and... So. <laughs> right, right. Like it they was a very different time. Right. So they were going to Rome to go to the tomb of Peter and in many cases to go see the Veronica. So it was a very, very important relic. And we know this from writings. We know this from pilgrim journals. We know this from art. So the art depicting the veil was very precise, very identical. It depicted a certain, you know, very gauzy piece, piece of cloth with a man's face whose eyes were open. And this was the case for hundreds of years, this depiction of the veil, the Veronica. Um, In 1527, Rome is sacked. And it's interesting, a few years ago, the director of the Vatican Museums admitted (laughs) that the Veronica was lost. Um, That's kind of not really well known that he admitted this, but so there's some He's no longer the director of the museums. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's related. No. so there's some there's a a school of thought, and this is the controversy that what they present from the balcony for sixty seconds might be a relic of some sort. There were there were multiple face cloths that covered Christ. There were multiple burial cloths, I guess I should say, that covered Christ. This was Jewish tradition, right? So we have the shroud. We have two of them actually mentioned in John's Gospel: the face cloth and the shroud. And so it's okay if there are multiple people who claim to have a cloth. Um, but we know that in around 1638, possibly earlier, a veil showed up kind of. We don't really know why, which is kind of interesting, but we don't know how or why, but a veil appeared um, in a church and was kept in a church in a little town called Monopello. That veil is still displayed in Monopello. And it looks very different than the one you get to see for 60 seconds at St. Peter's. So kind of the controversy is, could it be that the true icon, the Veronica, the face cloth that covered our Lord, is actually in a small church in Monopello? And we don't know. Um, but I mean, and I think the whole, the idea of the Vale Monopello, I think we deserves its own podcast. But I will say, Mountain and I have both seen the Vale Monopello it corresponds perfectly to the shroud. 
And there's a lot of reasons why I believe that this truly is the veil, the true veil of Veronica. Um, in 2006, Pope Benedict went as a private pilgrim. He was very precise to say he was going as a private pilgrim. He flew in a helicopter to Montepello and reverenced the the veil. Um, and then his personal secretary, Gon- uh, Monsignor Gonsfein, Archbishop Gonsfein, is he Archbishop now? He's Archbishop now, yeah. Okay. He went just this past January. So there was tradition... And I thought this was really cool. In January, on the second Sunday of Ordinary Time, it, uh, Innocent III began the tradition of processing the veil from St. Peter's to Santo Spirito down the street, yeah. which we've talked about on the on the podcast before. And so Monsignor, or Archbishop Gonsfein has gone, um, he went on that same second Sunday in Ordinary Time this year, 2021, to Montepello to make um, kind of his his visit on that day that it's traditionally, it was traditionally taken from St. Peter's. So I think Pope Benedict is convinced the Vale Montepello is the Veronica. He won't say that publicly, obviously, but with his own actions. Um, and again, we could get into kind of what the Veronica is, and I think it deserves its own podcast. But when you kneel in front of that cloth that's in Montepello, it was, it was an incredible experience. And I've never seen the shroud, but one kind of difference that I wasn't expecting was the veil Montepello. As I mentioned, the Veronica's veil used to be depicted with its eyes open. Now, much more commonly, you'll see it with the eyes closed because our tradition is that she wiped the face of Christ as he was suffering. But if it's the cloth that covered Christ's face, one thought is that this veil Montepello was actually imprinted miraculously. We have no idea how this image was made was imprinted at the resurrection and his eyes are open because we're not seeing a suffering Christ. We're seeing the risen Christ. There's no blood. There's no paint. There's no explanation for how this image is made on this cloth. It's actually made by, um, byssus of, of clams, like clam saliva. And so it's this really fine gold spun. I mean, it looks like gold spun gold. It's a really fine cloth that you can't paint on. Um, and so there's this miraculous image of a, of a, of a Jesus that's, with eyes open that's that's alive. And so when you read John 20 and the resurrection account, Peter and John run to the tomb and they see the cloth, they see the shroud, they see the face cloth. And the, the John makes a specific reference to seeing these cloths. And then it says that John saw and believed. And when you kneel in front of the veil of Montepello and see the risen Christ, you realize John saw the face of his friend alive. And he knew there was no way that that face was was the face of a dying Christ. It was the face of a risen Christ. And so he believed in the resurrection because he saw the veil of Montepello. And it's it's incredible. So we can go into it more in another time, but that's kind of the controversy is that there's this veil of Veronica that's presented at St. Peter's. And maybe it is, maybe it does date back to the burial of Christ, but I don't believe it was the cloth that covered Christ's face that has a miraculous image on it because that I believe is in Montepello. Yeah, you know that a few years ago, Monsignor, he was probably Monsignor at the time, Monsignor Gansfine, he did that procession here from St. Peter's copy. to Santa Spirito, yeah. but with a copy of Manapelli. He didn't take the one that they show yeah. from the chapel today. Yeah. So yeah, that's the controversy. Yeah. If people want to learn more, um, Paul B- Bada, B- you know how to say his last name. Is it Body. Bada? Body. Body, B-A-D-D-E. Um, he's written extensively. He's really made it his quest to discover this. Um, it's only been recently that the veil, the veil used to only be on display in Montepello twice a year. 
And um, it was because of an earthquake and, and this friar kind of rediscovered the, the relic that now it's on display all the time. Um, but Paul Bade is, body is really kind of making this relic known to the, the world. And so he's written a number of books. He just wrote a new book, um, The Holy Veil of Montepello, The Human Face of God by Sophia uh, Press. And you can find, I mean, it's a, it's a thrilling read. So I have to give my mom props. My mom read about it. And then she was like, we have to go to Montepello. And so on a, one of our last pilgrimages, Mountain and I took the group to Montepello. And it's on display in this little church. And when you walk in, the cloth is so fine and so delicate that it looks transparent if the sun shines through it. So when you walk in, you almost look at the reliquary and you're like, it's empty. And then when you get up close, you can see the veil. So anyway, there's a lot to talk about the veil, but that's my little pitch. And that's my little controversy that maybe what they present to us is the veil isn't the veil. Yeah. I used, when I, I worked for a Catholic PR firm, and that was one of our clients. The Face of God book. And so we brought him to Atlanta. He lives here in Rome. Brought him to Atlanta and helped him promote the book. And then, yeah. so I was excited when we finally did go because that was the first time for me as well. And now I see him all the time, like at cafes and restaurants around. And I'm like, hi. And he's like, who is this guy? <laughs> we should have him on the podcast. <laughs> we should. We should. Um, yeah, but that Manipel, that was that was a fun day. It's way in the in the in the mountains of Abruzzi and um, Abruzzo. Abruzzo. Yeah, we went to Lanciano yeah. that day. Then we stopped in Manapello. Mm-hmm. Then we got to Rome and lots of miracles that day. It was kind of overwhelming. Yeah, but yeah, it's just this tiny little church, this tiny little town, and you go in. There's a, a nun, and she'll be like, "Hey, you want to see this?" and Takes you yeah, up behind nice the exhibit. Yeah, there's yeah behind the altar. You can go right can up go, to it. Yeah, you can get just inches away from the face yeah. of God. And then they they change the lighting. the The face kind of changes, and when I don't you, know when you it's, kneel and when you stand up, it's like a different oh, expression. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say, like looking at pictures online, I was like, I don't know whether this is my Jesus. Like he, but being in front <laughs> of it, it's a completely different experience. Um, it's he looks right at you no matter where you are and it's just yeah yeah so it's it's a really moving experience i i think pilgrimages to montepello have increased since benedict went um and yeah so on this on the fifth sunday they do bring out a relic maybe it is some sort of burial cloth um maybe it is maybe it's not but you know we can do a whole thing on relics someday that you know what what matters about things like sacramentals and relics is the faith that we bring to the experience they aren't like good luck charms they aren't like voodoo so what matters is that when they you know they they bless us we are recalling god you know god's suffering for us that's the most important thing it would be nice if they would be clear though like this is part of the veil yeah. or I mean, when you look at the one in Manapello, that's it it's not like there's just half his face and half is somewhere else it's right. the whole thing so there's also, I believe, frames, if I remember from Paul's book, there's some frames in the museum you were mentioning, um, old frames that used to hold the veil, um, and they don't correspond to the current veil. But <laughs> so little things like that, you're just like, hmm, I wonder what the story is, but maybe it's, someday. It's still a really cool experience to be in St. Peter's when they do this, no matter what they're blessing you with. Yes. It's still. <laughs> yes. It's still fun. So I will be posting yeah. a picture today. Um, a couple of years ago, one of the EWTN guys went uh, 
with a big zoom lens and he was able to get some really good pictures because it's really high up. It's not like Mm -hmm. you're going to see it with the naked eye. Exactly. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Stirring controversy over here. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about the church? I mean, that's the big thing today. That's why this is the church today is for this relic. I think a lot of people don't realize that Veronica, I mean, that almost 100% was not her name. That wasn't a name back then. So when they say Veronica's Veil, it wasn't like it was some lady named Veronica walking around Jerusalem. Right. It's it's church tradition, you know. I mean, it's it's pious to think about her wiping the face of Christ. And, you know, if if it wasn't a woman named Veronica, there was a woman that probably wiped the face of Christ, right? And that's what we're meditating on in the Stations of the Cross. So I don't want to, like, burst people's bubbles and thinking that there was no woman that we honor during the Stations. There was definitely a woman that helped Christ, right? I mean, that's just a given. But her name probably wasn't Veronica. I mean, that's not scriptural, right? That's the piety of the church, remembering the the Via Dolorosa. So, I like just so, calling it sorry to, the Veronica. And yes. You could say yes. that it's the cloth that a woman wiped his face with instead right. of Veronica apostrophe yes veil. Yes, although the veil monopello. So maybe that's what's maybe that's what's in St. Peter's. The veil monopello would have been his cloth that would have covered his face at the resurrection. Right. Because there was no, or at burial, because there's no blood on the veil. But, but then there's the one in Spain, too. Right. There's also the other ones. <laughs> there, there are many cloths. And again, like in Jewish custom, many cloths would have been covering Christ um, at burial. And many people would have used different cloths to wipe his face. So right. um, we're, we're not saying there has to only be. But the, of the many burial cloths, only two have images. And those two are the veil, Montepello, and the shroud. But Well, there's also the yeah. thing that our Holy Land guide says is that his face was so disfigured after the crucifixion and everything that there may have been a cloth that they put on his face just so that they weren't having to look at right. everything that happened to them while they were preparing him for burial. So that could be another cloth. Right. So, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely need to do more on relics because I had someone today contact me about, they've heard the, it's been going around forever, but if you brought all the pieces of the cross, the true cross together, it could build like a boat or something, which isn't true. That's been yeah. debunked. Right. Um, yes. So, yeah. Yes, we we definitely should do a podcast on relics, like why we believe in relics, what's the purpose. There's actually a three-minute theology episode on relics, but that's just three minutes. And there's a lot to talk about um, to kind of clear up some misconceptions about relics and the, the role they play in our faith. And then we could talk about important ones like the true cross. So let's do it. And some of our favorite ones. Yeah. Well, good. Well, St. Peter's, there's a lot. We talked about another podcast. We will continue to talk about St. Peter's. But on this fifth Sunday of Lent, that's kind of the big deal. It's almost over. Don't think about that. I, I've never been sad <laughs> for Lent to be over before, but I am for this. Um, yeah, it's funny. But we're here with you till the end of Lent, and we will continue to podcast even after Lent's over because we have all these episodes we've promised to do, like relics. Yeah. Well, and we were never planning to stop so, anyway. Well, no, but I just want to assure people, maybe because we have a lot of new listeners who have joined since we just started the daily ones, and even when the daily ones end, we still podcast. So, Yep. This week, we have some really cool churches coming, some like San, San Stef- Santo Stefano. You've never been to... 
I think right. I've been there once. Oh, I thought you I said think. you hadn't been there. I can't really remember. I've never been to Santa Maria and Violata. There's a few upcoming up that I have not been to. San Marcello with the crucifix that was featured in the Pope's blessing during the plague recently. San Crisogono, we go back into Tristevere. San Apollinare, which we've both been to just once maybe. And one the church yeah, that I've never been to the end of the week. San Giovanni, Porta Latina. Oh. St. John in Oil, never been. But something really important happened there. Yep. So, good stuff ahead this week. Yeah, we just gave you a little preview. Yeah. We usually don't. We usually a little don't do teaser. That. A little preview. Yeah. yeah. So, well, thanks, listeners. Thanks for listening. And join us tomorrow when we go to Trust Yeah. So, talk to you later, people. Ciao, ciao. Ciao.